the Holy Gospel of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, according to John. Jesus told his disciples, do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house, there are many dwelling places. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself so that where I am, there you may be also. And you know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you know me, you will know my Father also. From now on you do know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father and we will be satisfied. Jesus said to him, have I been with you all this time, Philip, and you still do not know me? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, but if you do not, then believe me because of the works themselves. Very truly I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do, and in fact, will do greater works than these because I am going to the Father. I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If in my name you ask me for anything, I will do it. The Gospel of the Lord. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. The scene is right after Jesus' last supper with his disciples, the night before he will be crucified. Jesus has just told the disciples that he, their teacher and master, will be leaving them soon. On top of that, Jesus has just predicted that G Judas will betray him and that Peter, perhaps the strongest among them, will deny him three times. The future for these disciples is looking pretty bleak. They must be feeling discouraged, disheartened, perhaps even hopeless. Jesus knows this. And so he reassures them, 
Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God, trust also in me. But the disciples aren't there yet. There are way too many uncertainties in their current situation, and we humans do not like uncertainties. If Jesus is about to leave them, the disciples want to know where he is going. If he could just point to a place on a map, it would help relieve their troubled hearts. But Jesus tells them that they don't need a map. You know the way to the place where I am going, he tells them. But Thomas says to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. Did you catch that? The disconnect between what Jesus said and Thomas's response? Jesus does not say to his disciples, you know where I am going. Rather, he says that they know the way to the place where he is going. And those are two very different things. Thomas wants to know Jesus' destination while Jesus is talking about the journey, the way. He tells his disciples that they know the way because he himself is the way and they know him. The disciples have followed Jesus day in and day out for three long years. They have seen the way Jesus operates, experienced the way Jesus walks through life, the way he encounters resistance without responding with violence, the way he loves foreigners, the poor and the outcast, the way he heals those suffering disability and disease the way he has compassion on those outside his own religion, including Samaritans and Roman centurions. The disciples have experienced the way he restores dignity to those whom society has shamed, the way he follows the intention of the Jewish law while disregarding the nitpicking parts of the law, and those parts of the law that advantage only the rich and powerful while disadvantaging the poor and powerless. Thomas and the other disciples may not know where Jesus is going, but Jesus tells them that they do know the way to wherever he is going. And yet, Thomas is still not satisfied. How can we know the way, he asked Jesus. I imagine that Thomas has in mind once again a map and he wants Jesus to take a highlighter and trace the roads leading to his destination. But when Jesus speaks of the way, he isn't talking about roads on a map. Jesus isn't asking Thomas to know the way like one knows the roads on a map, but to trust the way. I am the way and the truth and the life, he says. 
no less than six times in the Acts of the Apostles, we read that the kind of life lived in Christ's love, compassion, and forgiveness is simply called the way, with a capital W. St. Paul himself tells the Roman governor Felix that he, Paul, is a follower of the way. And our own presiding bishop, Michael Curry, says that to be a Christian is not to profess some belief or creed, but to walk in the way of love. And he has made this way of love the central focus of his term as the presiding bishop of the Episcopal Church. Lutheran pastor and publisher, Peter Marty, notes that Jesus' statement, I am the way, contrasts sharply with I am the answer. The difference between the two self-descriptions is huge, Pastor Marty writes. I am the way invites grand adventure and openness to all of the ambiguities and doubts that go with a journey along uncertain paths. I am the answer suggests a packaged arrangement, a relationship involving little risk. Citing a book by historian Daniel Burston, Pastor Marty notes that there is a historical difference between a traveler and a tourist. In previous centuries, travelers were those interested in unfamiliar settings and wild encounters that enlarged perspective. The traveler was active, writes Burston. He went strenuously in search of people, of adventure, of experience. In contrast, the tourist is passive. He expects interesting things to happen to him. He goes sightseeing. Tourism, in Burston's assessment, is a spectator sport full of contrived, prefabricated experiences. Travel comes from the same word as travail, meaning trouble, work, or even torment. A traveler tastes risks, plunges into diverse cultures, and seeks to learn local customs. Unplanned experiences are the traveler's norm, sometimes involving challenging exploits. Travelers eat whatever food is placed before them. They aim to learn as much of the language as possible. Shopping for souvenirs plays no role in their ventures. A tourist, on the other hand, sacrifices less. The word tourist, from the Latin tornus, literally means one who goes in circles. A tourist is a pleasure seeker who passes through different exotic experiences only to return to a comfortable bed at night. 
Insulated from the noise, the smells, and the local people, a tourist's circle is complete, once back home, unpacking mementos and sharing photos. Pastor Marty challenges us who are members of the church to be travelers rather than tourists. Travelers, he writes, come to church to immerse their lives and refocus their values. They want to breathe the language of faith and know the way of Christ, even if travail may be part of the bargain. Tourists show up for a more passive experience. They spectate and consume. Pastor Marty asks, will our path as followers of Jesus be a journey rich in wild mystery, full of unknowables and incomprehensibles? My friends, you have heard me say over and over that Bible translators do us a grave disservice when they translate the verbal form of the word faith in the original Greek New Testament as believe. If there is a word in the English language that accurately reflects the Greek verbal form of the word faith, I would argue that it is not believe, but rather trust. Do not let your hearts be troubled, Jesus tells his disciples. Trust in God, trust also in me. To trust in Jesus does not require that we know his destination, but rather that we trust in him who is the way. It has been said that the opposite of faith is not doubt, but certainty. So often, we Christians want to know answers and factual truths rather than trusting in him who is the way and the truth. A Christian tourist seeks knowledge, answers, and a destination. A Christian traveler sets out on a journey not knowing what, we, what she will find or experience, willing to take a risk and enter with courage into the mystery of what lies ahead because she trusts that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. My friends, we live in a time and in a world where there are uncertainties and unknowns galore. And since we humans are not innately comfortable with uncertainties and unknowns, we tend to grab for whatever certainties we can find, however tenuous and unfounded they may be, and hold on to those certainties as if our lives depended on them. Now, I believe, my friends, that this is a source of much of our intransigent partisanship and polarization today. We're not willing to let go of our certainties, even though they may be objectively unsubstantiated or even groundless. Like tourists, 
we have arrived at our destination and have found what we have expected to find. My friends, the future of the Christian church itself, Christ church included, has rarely been more uncertain and unknown than it is today. And so the temptation for us, myself included, is to cling to what we know. But Jesus doesn't call us to a certain destination. Rather, as he did when he called his first disciples, he simply says to us, follow me. A well-known hymn puts it this way. We are pilgrims on a journey. We are travelers on the road. We are here to help each other walk the mile and bear the load. May God give us the grace, love, and courage to follow him who is the way, the truth, and the life.